Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Well, it was a big bounce back game for them. You know, they lose in overtime in Montreal and was a pretty sluggish effort. Jim Montgomery said after the game, he thought his team looked tired. Then they have Sunday off. They get on the ice Monday at Warrior and don't really have a good practice. And about, I don't know, 40 minutes in or so where it's sitting up there in a little media press box and all of a sudden pucks off the ice, nets off the ice. And they bag skate and do do sprints for like the last. It wasn't that long. I'm going to say like maybe seven, eight minutes, which when you're doing sprints, you know, that feels pretty damn long. Um, But that was something that they haven't done. I don't think at all under Montgomery, unless there was maybe like a practice on the road where media weren't there. We couldn't really think of any. So uh, certainly a rare occurrence for them. And the clear message was like, Hey, you guys need to be better. Like we just, you know, got to pick it up. Got to be more focused. Didn't like seeing a bad practice after a bad game. And Bruins responded in a big way with a dominant win over the Sabres. And like a really quick start. That was, that was probably their fastest start to the year. Um, just looking like they had their energy from the very first shift of the game. So, it, I mean, I guess it worked. It is very odd for sprints at practice. We don't really see that a lot. Um, it's, it's uh, you know, it's a miracle, but it's not something that coaches use a lot in practice. So um, my opening shift, is it has to do with a lot of first goals for people in the game against Buffalo. So, First of all, Hampus Lindholm and Brennan Carlo got their first goals of the season. Oscar Steen had his first goal of the season, and so did Dan Heinen. So a lot of guys getting in on the scoring, a pretty high-scoring game, and a lot of firsts. I mean, and then obviously there's Pasternak's 11th, but <laughs> everybody else, it was their first goal. Yeah, and as I said to you guys before we started recording, until it's no longer a story, I think the story for this team is just the keyword regular season run that they've been on dating back to the beginning of last season. I mean, I think this point might be a little bit more in your face if I gave it three more games to do a hundred game sample size, but I'm going to do the last 97 games for the team, 77, 13 and seven. I'm just going to let that sit there. We can jump back to that. It's just, it's objectively very, very impressive. I know what happened last spring and I know that until they have a chance to rectify that, 
in the spring of 24, the the easy narrative is going to be it doesn't matter because it's not the playoffs. We've talked about in the past that's not entirely the case. Obviously, you have to get to the playoffs, and there's other benefits to having a strong regular season and being ahead of the pack that they are uh, in the way that they are. But just the last you know season plus with this team, regular season wise, 77, 13, and seven, that doesn't really happen. Yeah, and obviously they still have the best record in the league this year, now at 12-1-2. and two. But I think, you know, all they can do at this point is bank points and build their game. Like, you you can't avenge last spring yet. You can't do that until you get to the playoffs. So, um, you know, all you can do now is take steps to get ready for that. And to that end, I think the way they won and the way they responded Tuesday was important because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, I, I asked Montgomery on Monday about five on five offense and, you know, what they had to do to, to get better there. Um, because it, it, it is clearly like the area that, you know, if you're going to pinpoint any weakness, that's where they're middle of the pack the power play had started picking it up in recent games and, and scored another goal on Mon- on uh, Tuesday. Um, but the five of five offense has really kind of been up and down. And after a quiet night in Montreal bounces back, they get three, five on five goals, a four and four goal and a power play goal. Um, but, you know, at, I thought every line kind of had chances. You see, we had talked about that Hein and Patrick DeBrusque line, you know, doing some good things, but not scoring yet. They score. Um, Marsh and Zaka Pasternak continue uh, to do their thing. Another goal for the fourth line um, with Oscar Steen getting his first of the season. So this was like the exactly kind of like get back, get right back on track game that you needed, especially now going into four days until their next game on Saturday. Like that, that would suck having this many days off. If you followed up the Montreal loss with, you know, another rough game where your effort wasn't or your compete level or whatever, wasn't really there. And not, not to mention another game where there was some, even though it wasn't very close game, there was a lot of, uh, or not a lot of, but there was at least uh, one situation where you can think of that, Things got heated and physical, and there was a bit of a brawl. Uh, Cousins throws down pasta. Marshawn was involved. McAvoy gets a penalty. Um, it was, you know, it, it was as close to a line brawl as we've seen in a while. That Nobody dropped the gloves, but everybody was involved in that scrum. And I didn't know if you guys had any thoughts on that. That happened pretty early in the game. But, um, yeah, things got physical. Uh it was a pretty entertaining first period. Things slowed down a little bit as as the game went on, but that's because it was such a big lead. It was four to nothing after the first period. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you guys had thoughts on that, the physicality of the game in particular, that that brawl and Cousins, uh, who, by the way, I think we brought this up last uh, last podcast. We thought maybe it was an we didn't look it up, but that maybe it was an extra penalty if you decide to drop the gloves when you have a full like you have a bubble or a cage on. And Cousins was wearing the bubble, and he decided he was just going to throw pasta on the ice. So I don't know what you guys thought. Well, I didn't love seeing uh, 
Pasternak going going down like that, especially without um, having somebody on the Bruins kind of step in there and. Also, his helmet, his helmet had gotten pulled off. To, so, like, he was going down to the ice with no helmet on, which is scary. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, the first thing that comes to your mind is, like, you know, does that happen if Lucic is, has a presence in the game? Maybe it does. You know, things happen quick. And if Lucic is on the bench, I'm, I'm not saying Cousins doesn't still do that. But, you know, I I, I appreciate uh, McAvoy and, and Pasternak and Zaka. And I think Laura was out there, like, obviously stepping in in the first place and, sticking up for Marshand, but you can't, you, you can't really do it half ass. Like that's kind of how you get hurt. Right. Like, I feel like, like passionate kind of goes in there and pretends like he wants to do something, but really at the end of the day, isn't going to do anything and kind of just like sense that cousins was there. And I just feel like if, if you're going to jump in and protect your teammate, you, no matter who you are, you kind of have to commit or else you, you can, be vulnerable to actually getting hurt where when you, you know what I'm trying to say, if you're not fully committed to the scrum. And um, so I, I like seeing everybody jump in, but then it's like, well, don't just sit there and let somebody take you down. Like, you know, actually mean it. Right. And so, yeah, Lucci isn't in the lineup to really rectify that afterwards. Frederick is, but I guess the way I thought about it was good to see him stick up for each other, but you know, don't let yourself get hurt. And by, and, and doing that is by not kind of just standing around and being a little more active if you're going to jump in. Yeah, it was like he thought the scrum was over because him and McAvoy jumping in with Darlene, like they were all kind of tied up and nothing was happening. And Cousins obviously was not done with the scrum and comes in. And, and I, like, I don't even blame Cousins because it was kind of two on one on Darlene. So, you know, Cousin, like, yeah, it starts with, you know, Pasenak and McAvoy sticking up for Marshand, which, by the way, like the original hit was clean too. It was just, it's just a solid reverse hit. There was nothing, there's nothing dirty there. Um, but yeah, then if you're cousins, you're seeing Darlene, you know, your best player, uh, basically getting double teams. So I, I don't blame him for jumping in either. Um, but yeah, it's, it seemed like if that had, if it had been maybe a close game, you might have seen temperature temperatures rise a little more because um, certainly it, it was there early on, but once it starts turning to three nothing, four nothing, it's like unless the Sabers are going to goon it up, there's really not anything that's going to happen at that point. And you know, I don't, I don't think the Sabers are really that kind of team. Like they can play physical, but they're not going to you know run around trying to take guys out. Yeah, at that point it was two nothing, so it wasn't like super off but then as the rest of the period went on it was like retaliation didn't seem like the right thing to do um and kind of just you could see the body language on the bench too a lot during the rest of the game where I think we're just kind of a little bit defeated looking on the Sabre side and they were getting booed by their own fan base which just as a person who likes watching hockey I I, I don't like when fan bases boo their own teams um and I don't feel like it it helps any I don't know. I think that it happens a lot in Canada. Like I saw the Ottawa Senators were getting booed by their own. I thought you were going to say in Gillette's. I thought you were going to say in Gillette Stadium. Uh, That happens. Um, That. Passion, drive, and patience. 
What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. I I might have booed the Patriots in Germany if I spent that much money and went over there. But um, on a normal day, I say booing your fan base is kind of a bad look because then when things turn around and you're cheering again, it's like, well, all right. I, I hear what you're saying, but I will say I feel like Buffalo's an exception because they've been – hoping to turn around a rebuild since they drafted Jack Eichel back in 2015. And they haven't made the playoffs since 2011. So you're talking 12 years. And when they were Jack Eichel, right? Exactly. But this, as it pertains to the Sabres, even with Eichel moving on, they, they, they iced a really solid young up and coming team last year that missed the playoffs by a point. And you look at an, you, you look at an Atlantic division this year where Tampa Bay is very much like not Tampa Bay anymore. As at least I know they're about Vasilevsky, but you know, they're six, five, and four. And you can say what you want about, you know, the the four being an overtime loss. But if if you look at it just wins and losses, you know, they're six and nine. Um nice. <laughs> um, you know, Montreal. My point is like Buffalo is they got 15 points, they're second to last in the in the um in the division and if i'm a sabers fan it's like you're supposed to be going up and up so i and it's more of the same it's shit coverage bad defense um i'd boo them honestly it, it's does it help them bridget to your point i don't know but it's like if i'm a sabers fan it's like yo this has been a this has been a, a dozen years of this nonsense at this point yeah i, I really have no problem with fans booing it I guess depending on the situation, like there's certain times where you come across as spoiled, but look, fans pay a lot of money to go to games. And if the product on the ice or the field or wherever isn't satisfactory, like I don't mind it because it's, yeah, maybe it seems a little mean to players, but it's oftentimes just as much a message to like the organization that this isn't acceptable. And to Brian's point, like the next step for Buffalo had to be improving defense and committing more to defense because last year they were a great offensive team and a terrible defensive team. And that ultimately is why they missed the playoffs. And they, they really just didn't improve their defense enough. Like, sorry, but signing Connor Clifton and 35 year old Eric Johnson isn't, that doesn't really move the needle too very much. So, um, and it hasn't. And one of the, just one other thing to note on the Sabres side of things, like in terms of not helping this remain a close game, Tage Thompson leaves with an injury first in the first period. Then he tried to come back in the second for a couple shifts and then left for good. Um, 
I, I did see that Don Granado after the game, the Sabres coach said that it, uh, he's expected to miss significant time. So that is really not going to help matters for the Sabres. Um, you know, it's, it's early, but like that kind of feels like the, something that can lead to the season already slipping away f- way for them and being yet another non-playoff year. And, and what's tricky too, is like when you had such an offensively strong season last year, it's like, you would think that when you have Darlene and Owen power, like two former number one overall draft picks as your defensive stalwarts back there, obviously there is work to be done in their game defensively, but they are defensemen. Right. So it's like, did they misidentify? Like if you're trying to build your back end, like, you know, if you're a Sabres fan, it's like, well, we did draft two first overall defensemen. Like, what, why is our defense so bad is what, I'm, is what I'm trying to get at. So it's just like they can't win for losing. Yeah, and also you have Devin Levi, who is the best college hockey goaltender for the last two years. That gets chased in the second period. So um, also just to, uh, just to go back on something Scott said, uh, you know how much Sabres Blues tickets – oh, this is at the Blues. Okay. Looking at the tickets for the looking at the tickets for the Sabres. Apparently, uh, if you want to go to the Sabres at Blues game, you can go for eight dollars. If you want to go to St. Louis, uh, if that's enticing. Uh, the next Sabres game is Penguins at at home. Is Penguins at Sabres sixty one dollars? Do you think? Do you um, think the um? Do you think the anthem singer will correctly sing "O Canada" next time? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you guys caught that. Well, no, I, um, I missed this. No, I, I didn't. Well, so first of all, first of all, I don't know why. I know, I know how close Buffalo is to, to the Canadian border, so I get it. But you know, as as people know, you usually only play the Canadian national anthem in an American arena if there's a Canadian visiting team. Uh, last time I checked, Boston's in the U.S., uh, one of the first U.S. cities. Matter of fact, I'm a history buff, and um, yeah, the, uh, the the anthem singer he just you know he he messed up the the lyrics to O Canada and it kind of was making its circuits around Twitter. Well, t- Todd Angeli accidentally started singing the Star Spangled Banner when uh but it wasn't his fault. That was uh, not his fault. That the was the organist, organist's fault. Uh, Ron Poster started playing the wrong anthem and he went into it and he started singing the wrong one and they're like redo <laughs> real quick. Every every time the Bruins host the Canadian team now I like wait nervously mostly because it's not until they start playing the anthems that are like line up for the anthems that I think like, Oh yeah, we're going to hear Oh Canada tonight. Cause like, I don't think about it ahead of time. So then I'm like, Oh, oh I man, I hope, like, I, I hope they for this. I hope they remember. Yeah. Well, I love the Canadian, the, the French Canadian version of Oh Canada. That's the best version, but, um, but yeah. And, and by the way, Buffalo was by no means sold out looking against the Bruins. Uh, it was, I don't know how much it was sold out, but there was a lot of empty seats and that was even including the 100 people that Johnny Beecher brought to the game. So it was still pretty empty, even though he brought the entire uh, town of Elmira, New York into the stadium. It's a shame too. It's like Buffalo is such a good hockey market. Like I remember, I remember I want to say it was 2007, 2008 season. It was the first year the Bruins made the playoffs um, under Claude and Claude's first year as coach. Uh, and that was like, that was kind of like during the era where Buffalo was a really strong team in the Eastern Conference. And I remember I went to a game in Boston 
against the Sabres. And anytime they, the Sabres came to Boston on TV, like you always would see like, you know, the, the Buffa slug jerseys, like all on the balcony, like they traveled pretty well. Um, obviously it's a great fan base. I think nationally the Buffalo does the best, um, hockey ratings. Um, so to have a team just not make the playoffs for 12 years, I mean, that kind of sucks for that market. Well, it, and it's also a reminder of like, no market can take their fans for granted because if, if you suck, like people will stop showing up and you know, you, you see it in Buffalo, you see it in Winnipeg, you know, had half empty buildings early this season. I don't know if they still are. Um, but it's like, you know, I remember when Winnipeg got a team back, it was like, everyone's just like, they'll never not sell out a game. Like their building's a little smaller Winnipeg, than, than average anyways. And, and it's like, uh, okay, yeah, well, if they're, if they're not going to be competitive for years on end, even in, even in Canada, like people will, will stop going, even in Buffalo, which to your point was like one of the best hockey markets there was. And, you know, I think it's also – it's kind of why, like, when we talk about the Bruins, it's like, this is why ownership and management never wanted to go the rebuild route. Like, this is why they want to always be competitive. Because we've seen it in Boston, too. Like, I remember 06, 07, when the Garden was, I don't know, maybe two-thirds full, maybe not even that sometimes. Like, you know, if, if you don't have a... And it's not... It has nothing to do with, like, fair-weather fans. It's just people aren't going to spend their money if the team's not competitive. And especially in Buffalo where it's been like this for over a decade. Yeah. I remember like my junior high days, it's like the patented, like I'd get home from hockey practice or whatever. And, and the Nesson broadcast, I would just hear Dale's voice be like, welcome into the TD bank North garden. And it would just be like, you know, all you just see all the yellow seats, like literally in the, in, like, I remember distinctly, like you would start to see like sometimes in like those couple of years after the lockout, like Oh five Oh six and Oh six Oh seven, like the Bruins were like, they weren't completely out of it by like Christmas. They were kind of hanging around like the 10 C nine seed in the East. And then the calendar would flip and they'd, they'd fall behind. But like, you would notice like the seats were just all yellow. And then like maybe in the third period, you start to see like the lower bowl start to fill up more. Cause maybe people come down from the balcony and whatever. And you know, but that was like the post Joe Thornton, like maybe Chara Savard just got there era. It was any of the lockout in 04, 05, and that kind of hindered, you know, whatever. But yeah, it's don't take it for granted for sure. Yeah. Like you mentioned, the Jets, that's who the Sabres play next. And it's $26 for tickets in Winnipeg. I mean, that's, that's very cheap, though. Nothing, nothing sticks out as much as, the St. Louis one. I tell you, if the if the Bruins, I haven't seen a, a hockey ticket for eight dollars in a long time. I can promise you, if the Bruins end up sucking, uh, the Jacobs will not lower ticket prices. They'll probably try to flip it and sell it. Like, come see your own private Bruins game <laughs> for, for like. <laughs> so just one person pays twenty thousand yeah. dollars. The they they try to spin it like it's an exclusive, like personalized experience. Yeah, like, like how you can like rent out a whole movie theater now. You can just rent out the garden. The Bruins and Canadians are playing for you at TD Garden. <laughs> I have had a whole movie theater to myself before, so that, that kind of makes sense. Yeah, they That's could funny. they could sell it that way. I, I have, but without even renting it. I've just 
I've gone to afternoon movies where no one else was there. Same. I went on a date where it was just the two of us and nobody else. In the I thought you were gonna say. Time. I thought you were gonna say you went on a date where it was just you, and I was like, <laughs> that, "That's a hell of a date." No. Oh boy. No. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.